This is the Learning to Lead podcast, episode number 81. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 81 of the Learning to Lead podcast. Happy New Year to you. It's exciting to be with you again this year. So to start off the podcast uh, this year, I'm going to be doing a personal leadership lesson, and I'm actually going to be sharing the top lessons that I learned in 2015. And I would love to hear about what you learned in 2015, and you'll be able to share with us your top lessons learned at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 81, and in the comment section, you can leave uh, notes about what your lessons learned were, and I'd love to hear about it. But before we jump into my top lessons learned, uh, just a few announcements to begin. Uh, Number one, uh, on December 31st of 2015, I hit a huge goal that I've been trying to reach for three years, um, and it was a goal of publishing an ebook. and the ebook that I wrote is called Making the Most of Mentoring, and it's a step-by-step guide for building relationships with mentors. Uh, You know, so often I meet with people my age and and young leaders, and they all say, wow, I I wish I could spend time with great leaders, or I wish I could get mentored by so-and-so. And so so often I tell them, well, you know, you probably could if if you just asked. Uh, But then I find that that they literally just don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to ask. Um, They don't even know what to do if they were in the meeting or what to do after the meeting. And so um, that's something I've been doing for, for a very long time is meeting with mentors and leaders. And so... Uh, I gotten so much feedback about people asking about the process that I just actually just wrote the ebook and uh, it's literally a step by step guide. It has a checklist in it and it's a fantastic resource for you. I know it'll add value to your life. In fact, I believe if you'll follow that, it could radically change your life. Uh, a quote that really resonated with me in 2015 was Craig Rochelle said, "You are one relationship away from changing your destiny." And I believe if you'll follow the steps I outlined in my ebook, uh, that you'll actually, you could have that one relationship that changes your destiny if you'll pursue it. And so you can actually get this ebook for free. I'm offering it for free for a limited time. And to get your ebook, you can just go to DougSmithLive.com forward slash ebook. Again, that's DougSmithLive.com forward slash ebook. And you can get your free copy of that. And uh, I'd love to hear if, if you downloaded and you're impacted by it, I'd love to hear how it's impacting you. Uh, you can send me an email at dougsmith at l3leadership.org. So hope you'll download that and I hope it adds value to your life. And then last announcement, uh, I just want to thank our sponsors, Zero uh, Six Eight, which is an incredible company that's led by my friend Daniel Bull. If you're unfamiliar with Zero Six Eight, they collaborate with ex-convicts to demonstrate that demonstrate a drive for entrepreneurial achievement. And by supporting the skill and interests of those entrepreneurs, they actually work to launch innovative products and services that would have otherwise faced considerable barriers. And so they're just an incredible company doing incredible work, and I'd really encourage you to check them out. And you can check them out at 068, all spelled out, uh, .org. Again, that's 068.org to check them out. With that being said, let's jump into the lesson. I'll be back afterwards with a few announcements and end with a quote, and, uh, and we'll talk. So enjoy the lesson. Today, I'd like to talk to you on the subject, the top lessons that I learned in 2015. Uh, I recently finished my year-end review of 2015, and I actually wrote a recap on my year on the blog. If you want to check that out, I'll include a link in the show notes. 
Um, but just with that, I'd really encourage you before we hop into the lesson to have a year-end re- review process of your own. And a lot of people ask me about how, what I do for my year-end review. And I actually uh, did an entire podcast episode on my year-end review and walk you through step-by-step my process. And so you can check that out if you're interested at DougSmithLive.com forward slash episode 13. And you'll be able to find everything you need there. I'll also include a link to that in the show notes. So with that being said, uh, one section of my year-end review is lessons learned. And what I do is I just go through my journal and anything that I thought was a lesson, maybe it was a quote from a book, maybe it was notes from a a talk that I heard, maybe it was a scripture, maybe it was just something that I learned through experience. I make bullet points of all of those things that I learned. And then from there, I'd say I bold any lessons that I thought were a consistent theme or something that was very significant um, that I learned along the way. And then I basically take all of those and extract what I believe to be the top themes and lessons learned for that year. And that's what I did, and that's what this lesson is based on. I think the best thing as teachers, what we can do is teach what's fresh on our hearts. So this is all very fresh in my life, and I really hope that that they'll add value to yours. And so with that being said, let's just jump right into the lessons. The first lesson that I learned in 2015 was the dream bigger. Dream bigger. This is a lesson I've learned over and over again, but it it became very real to me in 2015. Specifically, this became a theme because three people I really look up to said things that were very significant in the area of dreaming bigger. The first person that talked about it was Bill Hybels. If you don't know Bill Hybels, he's the pastor of uh, Willow Creek Church in, in around Chicago area. And he actually said he was talking about the Leadership Summit this year, which is a a leadership conference that literally reaches millions of people around the world. And he said, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I dreamed way too small for the summit at its outset. I dreamed way too small for the summit at its outset. In other words, he was saying, if I could go back, I would have dreamed so much bigger than I did in the beginning. Another pastor I look up to is named Craig Rochelle, and he talked about a mentor that he had in his life, and he was casting vision for what he's really doing today, which was satellite campuses. And he was talking to the old man, and he thought, you know, maybe we could do one satellite campus uh, somewhere in Oklahoma. And the old man looked at Craig, and he said, Craig, the problem with you guys, you young guys, is that you dream too small. And here Craig was dreaming something he thought no one else had ever dreamed of, and, and his mentor challenged him to dream bigger. And then the last person that really challenged me in this area was Tommy Barnett, who I had the privilege of hearing at our church, Victory Family Church in Cranberry. He came and talked, and he did a live Q&A at a lunch, and someone asked him, you know, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? And he said, if I could live my life over again, I would have dreamed bigger. Now, if you don't know Tommy Barnett, he started the LA Dream Center. He pastors one of the largest churches in America. And yet he said if he could go back uh, and do his life over, he would have dreamed bigger. And I was just really challenged by that because sometimes I'm, I'm almost challenged in the opposite way. I, I feel uh, almost intimidated to dream bigger than I'm dreaming bigger now. But here are some of the heroes that I look up to and they're saying, listen, you're not going to get to do this over again. Um, so dream as big as you possibly can. And I think too often we, we cut ourselves short. I was listening to Jim Collins speak at the Leadership Summit this year and he was talking about goals and, uh, and specifically BHAGs, which if you're unfamiliar with that type of goal, it's just a big, hairy, audacious goal. And he said, if you know you can accomplish a goal, then it's not really a BHAG. If you know you can accomplish a goal, it's not a BHAG. And I found that in my life and so often in leaders that I meet with lives, they set goals that they know they can hit because they're afraid to set goals they, they couldn't hit without God, really. And, uh, and so I've just been really challenging myself. Am I just 
am I just dreaming about stuff that I think I could accomplish in my own strength, or am I dreaming God-sized dreams that, that God's putting in my heart? You know, I interview a lot of leaders uh, that are nearing the end of their journey. They're in their 50s and 60s. And uh, while they're still dreaming, a lot of them are locked into their purpose and, and, and going all in with that. And so I'm just realizing that our window of dreaming and our window of really pursuing uh, the dreams in our heart is so limited. You know, in a few years, we're out of here. We're off the planet. And so we don't have time to dream small. And so I've just been really challenged in 2015 to dream bigger in every area of my life. The second lesson I learned is just the honor of God giving me a mission. The honor of God giving me a mission. A couple of scriptures that really resonated with, with this is well, there's in First Chronicles 17, it's God talking about David, and he said, I took you from tending sheep and selected you to be leader of my people. I've been with you wherever you've gone, and now I'll make you famous. And David went on to say to God, God, who am I? And what is my family that you've brought me this far? In Corinthians it, it says this, it says, Few of you were wise, powerful, and wealthy when God called you. God chose those things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring nothing to what the world considers important. So if you want to boast, boast about the Lord. And for me, I, I, I can't describe how grateful I am when, when David said, God, who am I that you would have brought me this far? Uh, the fact that God had a plan for my life, the fact that God um, gave me gifts and talents and surrounded me with the people he has, like, I am so grateful to God. And I just spent so much time in 2015 thanking him for everything that he's done in my life. You know, I was, I, I was sharing the vision for what we're doing with L3 leadership um, with a leader at lunch. And he said, you know, how awesome is it? That, that God could have picked anybody on the planet to do what he's put in your heart, but he picked you. How wonderful is that? And I just started tearing up because that's just such an amazing thing. And, and I'm not here to tell you my call is any, any different or is more special than yours. It's just the call God has on my life. But here's what I know. And my pastor always says this. He said, anything that God asks you to do is a big deal. Anything. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if God's put a vision in your heart, stop dismissing what he's putting in your heart and start taking it seriously and realize how big of an honor it is. It's such an honor to receive a vision from God. It's such an honor to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. And do not take that for granted. Lesson number three, be bold about vision. Be bold about vision. You know, um, I've shared with you on the podcast before, I've always struggled with insecurity, and that's an area that I'm really growing in, and, uh, and I'll share that in a few minutes. Um, but, you know, when God put a vision in, in Laura and I's heart for what we're doing with L3 leadership, uh, I was very insecure about it. In fact, I, I didn't want to tell anybody about it because uh, I, was, I was insecure. I was afraid to tell people about my vision. You know, I could cast vision all day for Light of Life, which is the, the rescue mission I work at. I could cast vision for my church all day because I love my church. But when it comes to a vision that God gave me, um, that's very, very scary. And uh, for whatever reason in my life, I had to overcome that. And I think it's because um, one of the things that I learned in this area is that our biggest fear in life is that we can't do what we're called to do. I think our biggest fear is that we, we have this dream in our heart and our fear is that, that it, it, it will never become a reality. That's not something that's realistic to happen. And we're so afraid of that, so we never step out with boldness. But throughout the year, several things happened. I joined a leadership academy at church with Pastor John Nuzo in Cranberry, um, Pennsylvania. And he said some things about vision that really helped me. 
He said this. He said, the first person that has to be convinced of the mission is you. I mean, what a novel thought. But the first person that has to be convinced of the vision in your heart is you. And if you're not convinced of it, why would anyone else be? And that just really challenged me. How, why would anyone join a vision um, if the leader doesn't even believe in it? And so you have to be the first one convinced. And then he went on to say this. He said, there are 6.1 billion people on the planet who want nothing to do with your mission. But go find the ones that do. Go find the ones that do. And I don't know what it is when he said that, but something clicked in my heart. And I just said, I'm all in. Hey, there's 6.1 billion people that might reject my vision, might want nothing to do with it, but there's some that aren't. So I don't know why. I just got bold after hearing that. And I just started asking people, hey, this is the vision God put in my heart. Will you be a part of it? And do you know that as soon as I did that, all kind of stuff started happening. All kind of things started happening. In fact, one of my favorite quotes that really um, puts, it per- puts this point perfectly is by William Murray. He said this. He said, the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issue from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and material assistance which no man could have ever dreamed would come his way. And guys, can I be honest with you? As soon as I started getting bold, providence showed up. Uh, that, exactly what that quote said. All these things I never dreamed would happen started happening. And so I just want to encourage you. Listen, if God's put a dream in your heart, be bold about it. Yeah, there's 6.1 billion people who, who could care less about your vision. But there's some people that are going to care about it a lot. And actually, there's people that will be impacted by your vision that will never be impacted by anybody else if you don't do what you're called to do. And so I just want to encourage you, be bold with vision. It's an area I'm growing in, but I, I see it more and more every day. Lesson number four. The importance of character development, the importance of character development, the more and more I grow, the more I realize that if I could only teach one lesson, it would probably be this. Uh, Nothing is more important than developing your character as a leader. Some scriptures and some thoughts that that impacted me this year in this area is uh, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, and it's Jesus talking to Peter. And he said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have pleaded for you that your faith should not fail. Jesus was saying, Peter, there's an enemy that doesn't want you to do what you're called to do. That doesn't want you to make it to the finish line. He wants to destroy you and destroy your life. But I've pleaded and prayed for you that your faith shouldn't fail. And the reality is, in character, so many leaders do not make it to the end of their journey because of character issues. And I've just I've gotten a heightened aware around this for several things that happened this year. But in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, it says... Lest Satan take advantage of you, we are not ignorant of his devices. And the reality is we have to be aware of the enemy. We have to be aware that there is someone out to destroy us. We have to be aware that there's someone that wants to take us down and wants us to have character and moral failure and doesn't want us to make it to the finish line. And I think we need a revelation of that. James McDonald said it this way. He said, man's greatest enemy is most present when we are most certain that he is not. And I'm not here to glorify the devil or anything that he's doing, but the reality is if you're a believer, we have an enemy and he does not want us doing what God called us to do. And so it's extremely important that we develop our character. So a few thoughts on developing character. One, I, I mention this all the time, but let God be the architect of your growth. If you're truly following God with all of your heart, he'll grow you. He'll grow you. He'll show you what to do. And, and trust me, I was listening to a sermon by Joyce Meyer and she said this. She said, thank God he doesn't leave you alone. 
And do you know when you follow God, he'll deal with your heart about things that, hey, you shouldn't do that or don't go there. Or don't hang out with these people. And uh, sometimes it can get annoying. It's like, God, can I, what can I do? Uh, but the reality is he's growing you. He's growing your character. And if, you're gonna, if you'll be open and you'll be humble, you'll learn what God wants you to learn. Another area that you can help grow your character is in just repentance. Repentance. I love this. James McDonald said, the message of every major messenger in the Bible was simple. Repent. And he said, repentance isn't a place you visit. It's a place you live in. And I just want to encourage you, listen, none of us are perfect. And when we miss it, we just need to repent. And I think that's a big part of growing in our character. And not just saying, I'm sorry I got caught, but literally repenting. And Repentance means to turn your ways, to change your ways. And so I encourage you to repent. Number three in growing your character is get around men and women of character. One of the greatest one-liners I had this year was from Gerald Brooks. He said, character is more caught than taught. Character is more caught than taught. And that's when I realized that the leaders that have impacted me the most didn't necessarily impact me through their words, but they impacted me through who they were. And as I look at my pastor at my church and the mentors that I've had in my life, nothing has been more significant than the character that they've passed down to me. And so I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in character, start getting around people of character. And start, start being open with them. You know, who do you have in your life that you can be honest with? Craig Rochelle said this this year. He said, you're only as strong as you are honest. Do you have people to be honest with? And then who can tell you no that you'll actually listen to? Who can, you, who can tell you no that you'll actually listen to? I just want to encourage you, do everything you can to develop your character. Lesson number five is growing in confidence. Growing in confidence, that's something that I had to do this year. I, had, uh, I, I talked a little bit earlier about some of my insecurities, but I've really taken a lot of steps this year in growing in my security and self-worth. Some quotes that impacted me in this area this year is, Our greatest weakness is lack of self-confidence. You'll never outperform your self-image. How about this one? If you only place a small value upon yourself, Rest assured, the world will not raise the price. And possibly the most significant lesson uh, or the phrase that I learned in this area was, if, if your value is in anything that you can lose, you're in danger. It, Keith Moore said that. If your value is in anything you can lose, you're in danger. And I spent a lot of time evaluating what I find my identity in. Because literally, just like he said, if my identity is in my looks, if my identity is in my performance, if my identity is in my, what I own, if I lose it, I'm going to set myself up for an identity crisis. And so literally, I spent, I've spent hours this past year really just evaluating my motives in every area. And I just came up with this short list uh, of what success is and what I should find my identity in and what I should not. But I wrote, success is not how many speaking opportunities I have. Success is not how many people know and like me. It's not who I hang out with. Success is not where I work. It's not how many people listen to this podcast or visit my blog. It's not how much money we have in the bank. It's not where we get to travel. It's not how many times I get promoted. It's not who my wife is. It's not how good of shape I'm in. It's not how good my sermons are. It's not where I live. It's not my leadership position. It's not how much content I produce. And these are all things very personal to me, to be honest. And those are all things that I can find my value in if I'm not careful. So what do I find my value in? At the end of the day, I find my value in Christ because that's the only thing that I can never lose. But I wrote this. I wrote, success is being married and being a great husband to Laura. 
Success is creating memories that last a lifetime. Success is raising world-changing kids. Success is making a difference in others' lives. Success is growing to my maximum potential. Success is doing what God called me to do. Success is who I am and whose I am in Christ. And success is knowing my purpose. For me, that, that's my security. My security is in Christ. It's not in all that other stuff. If your identity is in anything that you can lose, you're in danger of an identity crisis. If you get that, it will help you so much to not put your security in the wrong place and your value in the wrong place. Number six, just a short lesson, but I thought this was significant. Be a great number two. Be a great number two. You know, for someone who loves leadership development and someone that's a young leader, it's real easy for me to want to be the number one leader in an organization. I think it's just human nature. And the order I get, the less I care about that. But, but be a great number two. Are you satisfied with not being the top dog? There's two things that, that were significantly said to me this year in this area. Number one is a friend told me this. He said, if I would have known what it was like to be a number one, I'd have served a hundred times harder when I was a number two. He was just saying, listen, you don't know the responsibility that comes and the weight of responsibility that comes with being a number one until you're in that position. And once you realize it, man, one, you probably don't want it. And two, it makes you honor and respect the people that are in that position and, and not complain about stuff you may have complained about, but come from a, a place of service and allows you to serve them. Scott Stevens, a pastor, has told me this. He said, every young leader should spend time making other leaders look good. They should spend a good portion of their time making other good leaders look good. And I've just been really challenged. Am I making the leaders in my life, the people that I report to, the people that I am serving, am I making them look good? Am I being, look good? Am I being a great number two to them? Lesson number seven, the importance of launching. The importance of launching. You know, we started this leadership organization called L3 Leadership, and our tagline is learn, lead, launch. Learn, I'm sorry, learn, launch, lead. I can't believe I messed that up. Learn, launch, lead. And and really, it's just if you're going to be a great leader, you always have to be learning, you always have to be launching, and you always have to be leading. And specifically in the area of launching, um, I just learned how important it is to just, just do, just be a doer. Uh, a mentor in my life, Denny Patton, he told me this at lunch. He said, most Christians miss it because they don't ever start doing what they talk about. They talk, they talk, they talk, they talk. You know, when I started L3 Leadership, I didn't start as an LLC. Like, I, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't know the process for how to start a business. I didn't know how to start an organization. But I just knew I, we had to do something. And you know that I've met with so many, so many different leaders and mentors, and they said, Doug, you know, all that other stuff will come. You'll learn the business. You'll learn the accounting. And once you have that in place, it'll be in place. But you're doing the hard part. You're doing the hard part. Most people never act on their dreams. And, and for me, I just learned the importance is, hey, I just got to step out. I just got to step out. Another mentor said this. He said, man, stop coming together and talk about what you already know. <laughs> come together and assault hell and pray and make a difference. You know, so many times we just come around and just say, yeah, we want to make a difference. Yeah, we want to be world changers. But what are you doing? What are you doing? Because if we're not going to do it, then who's going to do it? You know, and you might be afraid of failure, but Seth Godin said this. He said, launch early enough to be embarrassed by your product's first version. Launch early enough to be embarrassed by your product's first version. I remember our vision night for learning to lead or L3 leadership um, the first time. And, you know, we probably had like 10 people show up. And, uh, and I remember my father-in-law just encouraging me. And he said, you know, you're going to look back at this day and say, like, remember when? Remember when there was only a few people coming? Remember when it was just like this small group of family and friends? Um, 
and I'm doing it now. But launch early. Just step out. It's okay. You're never going to get good if you don't start. So just launch. Launch, 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 launch. Stop talking about your dreams and start going after them. Which leads me to the next lesson, lesson number eight. Fail more often. Fail more often. Stephen Furtick tweeted this. I love this. He said, some of your greatest mistakes are the mistakes you're not making. Oh, man, that crushed me. Some of the mistakes, the greatest mistakes you're making are the ones you are not making. Tony Robbins said this. He said, the formula for success is this, is to double your rate of failure. You know, I was reading about a Tony Robbins book, and he was talking about how he became a good public speaker. And he said this. He said, I became a good public speaker because rather than booking myself once a week, I booked myself to speak three times a day to anyone that would listen. While other people had 48 engagements a a year, I had a similar number in two weeks. Within a month, I had two years of experience. And that just really challenged me to just hustle uh, a lot. Man, so many times I'm just not stepping out because I'm afraid. And I need to step out more often. I need to be okay with failure. I need to double my rate of failure. Some of your greatest mistakes are the mistakes that you're not making. I just want to encourage you, listen, failure isn't as painful as you think it'd be. In fact, you learn from it and you get better. So learn to fail more often. Lesson number nine, the importance of crucial conversations. Um, This has been a lesson that I've been learning for five years. I did not grow up in a home where where there was healthy conflict. Um, And so I tend to be a person that just holds everything in and never tells anyone. And then I just spew it out to everyone else and... I mean, I've always handled this poorly, but it's an area that I've been growing in. And more and more, I'm just seeing the importance of having brutally honest conversations, being brutally honest, and having healthy conflict. I could give you a lot of resources, but a book that I would recommend is is Crucial Conversations. Crucial Conversations. And actually, the more I I grow, the more I realize people aren't – there aren't a lot of people that are very well equipped to have hard conversations, but it's a skill that will make you so valuable and it will make life so much better. And probably the biggest thing that I learned in this area is, is something Andy Stanley said. He said, if you're locked in a room with a 500-pound gorilla and the only way to get out is to, to face him, the best thing to do is to swing the cage open and just go after it. And I think that's the way it is with crucial conversations. Yes, I think you can prepare for them, but I think sometimes you just got to go after it. And that's something I've been learning. Like, hey, if I have an issue that I with someone, I just need to go to them and be like, hey, we need to talk this out now and then have the conversation. I really encourage you to read that book and, and grow that skill in your life. Lesson number 10, the power of a plan. The power of a plan. This this really I learned a lot through L3 leadership. As I started meeting with people and asking them for advice, they'd say, you know, where's your business plan? And I'd be like, well, I can tell you the vision and what we're doing. And they, they said, no, 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 we need to see like your plan. Uh, and so that's what I'm really I'm, – and I'm, I'm, I'm an impulsive person by nature. And sometimes that works out really well for me. Um, but sometimes when I don't plan or don't have a plan, that can go very poorly for me. And so I've just been learning the importance of having a plan. A guy I interviewed named Jim Shorkey said this. He said, if you took your life plan or your business plan to the county, what would they tell you? Would they approve it? And the more I grow, I just realized that you need plans and systems in your life if you're going to be successful. In fact, Rory Vaden said this. He said, a company will never outgrow the strength of its systems. In Think and Grow Rich, it said, riches don't respond to wishes. They respond to plans backed by desires through constant persistence. 
And I've just been learning about the importance of, of just taking time to think, to think through literally everything that needs to happen in order for my dream to come true. What is every step that I need to take? And literally writing that out in to-do lists. And um, it's been... It's been difficult for me because that's not by nature who I am. I just want to go, 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 go. But I'm really learning the value of having a plan. And so I just want to encourage you. It's great to spend time dreaming. It's great to set goals. But are you putting plans to those goals? Because if you're not, they're probably not going to happen. Lesson number 11, the power of a mastermind group. The power of a mastermind group. Um, this was the first year, full year in L3 leadership that we had mastermind groups. And it was just such an amazing year. It was such an amazing year, and one thing that we do in the groups is we share our goals with each other. And sharing our goals with each other, it creates accountability. It allows uh, the people in the group to encourage each other to pursue their dreams, and it opens the door for other people in your group to help you reach your goals, and vice versa. And and through those three things, um, really everyone in our group was able to accomplish more than they thought they could. And I really think it's because of the, the mastermind group. You know, um, I talked about in the intro that I published an ebook. I would not have published that ebook if it weren't for the people in my small group. Constantly, and I mean constantly, and some of you, you know who you are, you are more constant than others. Um, constantly in my face, when are you going to publish that? Are you going to ship it by the end of the year? You've made any progress? And we need people to push us in our lives. You know, <clears throat> you know something that really impacted me um, about the importance of having these kind of relationships was uh, something I read in John Maxwell's book. John Maxwell is my hero, and he actually mentors, or I'm sorry, he was in a group like this with Bill Hybels, who's the pastor I mentioned earlier of a large church. And Bill is a great teacher of leadership, and John actually encouraged him to start the Leadership Summit. And Bill kind of thought it was dumb and, and didn't really want to do anything with it, but he started it, he launched it because his friend John encouraged him to. And 20 years later, millions of leaders have been impacted by the Leadership Summit. And in John's book, he shared a note that Bill wrote him shortly after the the 20th anniversary of the Leadership Summit. And it just simply said this, John, had you never challenged me, I doubt this would have ever happened. And if I could sum up the importance of a mastermind group, it's just that, you know. I look at the things that happened in our lives in 2015, and I could look at very specific people in our mastermind group and say, hey, had you never challenged me, I doubt this would have ever happened. Thank you. Thank you. You need a small group of people that you can do life with and pursue your dreams with. Lesson number 12, two more, and then we're done. Number 12 was just helping people and getting no credit for it. Helping people and getting no credit for it. And, uh, man, God just, God just really worked on my motives this year a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I, all I have for you is really scriptures to challenge you, but these are scriptures that God really used to challenge me. Um, and one quote, there is one quote from James McDonald. James McDonald said this, he said, those who fail in action are frequently exposed here on earth, but those who do right things for the wrong reasons are often not discovered until the next life. Matthew 6 verse 1 says, watch out, this is Jesus talking, he said, don't do your deeds publicly to be recognized or admired by others, for you will lose your reward. Give your gifts in private and God will reward you. Isaiah 58.3 said, God's not impressed when we do something for him to please ourselves. Romans 8.16 says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Luke 14 verses 12 through 14 says, when throwing in party, don't invite people who can repay you. Invite those who can't repay you. 
In Galatians 6, 3 says, If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. And I just want to say that I, I was really challenged in 2015 by my motives. And all of those scriptures really challenged me. And I just want to say, can you help people and get no credit for you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you doing it just to be admired by others and recognized publicly? These are all questions you have to ask yourself. Can you, I just want to encourage you, more than, than even helping people and getting no credit, because that's the area God was dealing with me in. But what, why do you do what you do? What motives do you have or impure in your life that you need to get rid of? And that's a question only you can answer. Then finally, the last lesson I learned was number 13. Don't forget why. Don't forget why. Salim Gubril was sharing at a conference, and he shared a story of, uh, I don't remember who the celebrity was, um, but they, were, they had a significant platform, and they were speaking at, a, at a, a conference. And a little kid asked them, hey, what, what's the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you when you're on stage? You know, did you, was your fly down or anything like that? And the speaker looked at them and he said, son, the most embarrassing moments on stage is when I get on stage and I forget why I'm here. And I forget why I'm here. You know, God really dealt with my heart. Don't forget why I put this stuff in your heart. Doug, don't forget why I made you hungry for leadership. Don't forget why I put a gift of speaking in your heart. Don't forget why I gave you Lord. Don't forget, right? Don't, right? It's all for him. It's all for him. And if we're not careful, we can forget why we're on stage and start to think it's about us. In Luke twelve fifteen, Jesus said, Guard your heart against every kind of greed, because life is not measured for how much you own. Every kind of greed, I love that. And I don't know about you, but it's easy for me sometimes to forget why I do what I do or why God called me to do what I'm doing. And here's what I know. Rick Warren said if he could only give one piece of advice to young leaders, it would be this. It's not about you. And the times where I forget why God put something on my heart, it's usually because I made it about me. And I want to get to a place where it's not about me at all, and it's all about him. And I hope I never forget why he called me. I never forget why he put a vision for, who, for what I'm doing in my heart and the people that he's called us to serve. My pastor at our church, Pastor John Nuzo, he said, you know, if you walk with God long enough, you'll get to a point where nothing matters to you other than the people that you help. And that's a place that I strive to get to every day of my life. These were the top 13 lessons that I learned in 2015. I hope they challenged you. I hope they uh, maybe lifted you and encouraged you. I'd love to hear any feedback that you have. Maybe something stuck out to you. Um, or if there's anything that I could do to serve you, please let me know. Again, you can leave uh, comments in the notes section at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 81, and I can respond to you on there. So thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you for being a part of my life, and we'll see you next episode. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the lesson, the top lessons that I learned in 2015. And as I mentioned before, I'd love to hear what lessons that you learned in 2015. So if you'd like to share those with me, you can leave a comment in the notes section at l3leadership.org forward slash episode 81. And I'd love to hear what you learned or even what you learned from the lesson. You know, what stuck out to you? What impacted you uh, from the lesson? And as always, if you enjoyed the podcast and this adds a value to your life, I really would uh, ask you if you could do something for us. If you could subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to the podcast, that would really help us. It will not only provide us with feedback, 
but it also helps us promote content to future listeners and helps us spread the word about what we're doing. And so um, I really appreciate if you could do that for us. Again, if you'd like to, to follow anything that we're doing with L3 Leadership, you can just go to l3leadership.org, and on there you can find out how to get connected with a mastermind group, how to get connected with events, and other things like that. We'd love that for you to connect and help you grow as a leader. And so thank you so much for listening. As always, I like to leave you with a quote. And Henry Cloud said this. He said, taking small steps every day is better than planning big steps and never taking them. Boom. <laughs> I hope you have a great day, and I'll talk to you all next episode.